Hello, welcome to Hope Church Harrogate's message of the week. If you'd like to connect with us, please head over to hopeharrogate.co.uk forward slash connect. We'd love to hear from you. Morning. My voice is quite a bit lower than normal because I've been coughing for the last three days, but I'm, uh, I'm okay. Just sound a bit weird. Um, I might ask for a couple of volunteers if anyone would help save my voice by reading out the passage in a minute. So if there's, um, just in a minute, I'm warning you, and ask for some readers. Um, we'll continue our series in Isaiah. It's been a couple of weeks now. We had um, that Saturday when we went to Yorkshire. My kids were ill, so I couldn't make that one as well. And we had Nation Sunday slash Remembrance Sunday slash Special Offering Sunday last week, which was also brilliant. And now we're back in Isaiah. So, of course, we're going to start reading Acts. Um, which is a bit confusing. But if anyone would um, be happy to come and read into the microphone um, a passage in Acts. You can sit down if you want. Do it from there, Beth. It's going to come up on the screen. Okay, Acts. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means Queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they travelled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in in the way of my being baptised? We're going to read the actual passage in Isaiah in a minute as well, so I'm going to ask someone else. It's quite a long one again, so just um, warm up your voices. Um, So... The passage that uh, the eunuch was reading is the same passage we're going to be looking at today. And I figure, why would I try and explain or convince you of how amazing Jesus' life and death was and his resurrection when all Philip had to do was tell him the good news about Jesus and the Spirit did the rest of it? I would love to just stand here and tell you about Jesus. And at the end of that, you go, what's going to stop me being baptized? What else can I hold back from Jesus? Why would I not give him everything I have to give? Um, Before we read the passage in Isaiah, I just want to tell you a little bit how prophetic literature like this works, because it it pulls together several kind of themes from other Old Testament images, but also talks about something that was happening in Isaiah's day, but then also points to something, an even greater reality in, in the future from Isaiah's point of view. So it's it's quite confusing to read because it pulls together kind of past, present, and future, and you're never quite sure which bit's which. Um, so that's, that's what I'm going to try and 
unpick after we've read it. They all feel like they've got a good reading voice and they're ready to take on maybe half of it and we can switch. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Kit. So Isaiah 52, uh, starting at verse 13. See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being and his form marred beyond human likeness. So he will sprinkle many nations and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told, they will see. And what they have not heard, they will understand. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, yet who of his generation protested? He was cut off from the land of the living for the transgression of my people. He was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Thanks so much. Great reading. So um, I'll start by looking at what kind of Old Testament other themes that Isaiah is pulling together, because they really um, build a very rich picture of, of what he sees for his present day and for the future. Um, the first one, um, he talks about a tender shoot sprouting up, and he talks about a root. Um, so there's some kind of plant theme in there. And then he talks also about how the servant is going to act wisely. The word actually means it causes wisdom. So he's going to cause wisdom. It's a plant that causes wisdom and also is desirable to look at. 
if anyone can pull those strands together and see what see what he's doing. Anyone? Garden of Eden, yes. So there's all the trees that were good to look at, desirable to be eaten. One particular tree which caused wisdom, which is the knowledge of good and evil. And, um, and he's saying that this, this person, whoever it is, is going to suffer, is actually acting as a, a new tree of wisdom. And what does the tree of wisdom represent? It's, it's God's invitation. So God says, I own all the trees. I own the one that causes wisdom. But don't, don't take from it because he wanted to walk with us and teach us how to rule this world with him. That was his invitation. And so well, as I was talking about this suffering person who's going to take on all the sins of the world, it's not just, um, just for Israel. It's not just for these people then or us now, but he's taking us right back to the beginning. This is, this is a solution for the human condition. This is everything that we've ever done as an entire species can be um, solved in this picture. The next um, theme that he, he pulls on is, is the theme of sheep. So he says that we all, like sheep, have gone astray. But then he says that the, the iniquities were all laid on him. So he's kind of doing some really interesting things here. We're the sheep. The sheep are the ones that get sacrificed, right? But all the sins were laid on, on him. How does that work? It's a whole theme that starts with the Passover lamb in the Exodus. The sheep was killed and the blood smeared on the door to prevent them from uh, experiencing the judgment which the Egyptians were gonna, going to experience. And um, we, we, do, we wonder, we need a shepherd. We should be sacrificed. But if you think of the whole narrative of the 10 plagues, um, Isaiah is kind of putting us in place of, are we the sheep? Are we the ones that should be killed? Actually, we've all gone astray. We're, we're Pharaoh in this story. But it's this other person who is righteous, who takes the place of the sheep and is actually sacrificed for, um, not, not on behalf of the Israelites anymore, but sacrificed on behalf of Pharaoh. This is incredible. There's actually a whole load of references as well to Psalm 22. There's, um, I'm not going to go through them all, but they hide their faces from him. He's pierced, talks about Yahweh delighting in him. Um, he divides the spoils at the end. All of these are images from Psalm 22. And if you know that one, it's the one that starts, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's one of the clearest kind of messianic references in the whole of the book of Psalms. Um, so there's another, another really strong one. Um, and then this last one I want to pull together is, is all hanging on one word. If you know Hebrew poetry, which I assume you'll do, um, this, this passage is split into kind of five groups of three verses. And the middle one, typically, will always contain something really special. And in the middle group of three, in the very middle verse of that, the line is, by his wounds we are healed. You may know it as by his stripes we are healed. This, this word means um, it's kind of bruising. It's like imagine someone's entire body is black and blue, just stripey all the way down. And that's the kind of wound we're talking about here. This word only appears seven times in the Old Testament ever. 
And so it's probably linking something quite specific. And if I looked them up, the first one comes um, and it's Lamech in Genesis 4. So after Cain has killed Abel, you then see this kind of descent of man into complete and utter uh, moral depravity. And Lamech says, he's boasting, he says, I have killed a young man for bruising me. This is the kind of exchange when man is left to his own devices that seems to be good in man's eyes. But for a bruise, I can kill you, that's fine. In uh, the Torah, in Exodus, this word appears again twice, actually, in the same verse. It's a very famous verse. It says, an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, hand for a hand, foot for a foot, burn for a burn, a wound for a wound, and a bruise for a bruise. It's that very last one. This is God saying, look, you cannot kill someone for bruising you. Justice is to only take what's been taken from you. I think probably this was a concession, really, to people that didn't really know how to act justly. But if you could at least limit it at that, that was going to be better than, than what man did on his own. But now, Isaiah says, we're going to bruise him. And he's not going to kill in retaliation. He's not even going to bruise in retaliation. He's going to heal you in retaliation. That one word is doing so much work. But it's an incredible, incredible comparison, really, when you put it next to those other, next to those other um, ideas. Um, yeah, so this is what Isaiah saw. And it was spectacularly and incredibly and unbelievably fulfilled in the person of Jesus. It says he was raised up and exalted. And all the language in the Gospels pictures the moment that he was raised up on the cross as his enthronement, as his victory through that incredibly painful death. He was beaten and flogged, just like it says all the way through the Isaiah passage. I love it, it says, to whom has the arm of Yahweh been revealed? It's quite literally, <laughs> his arm, actually we saw it. He was there, in the flesh. He was pierced for our transgressions. You know, that moment the, the spear went in. He was silent like a sheep. When he was questioned by Herod, he didn't say a word. He just accepted what was coming to him. He was killed with the criminals, but buried with the rich. Even though he dies, he will see his descendants, and they will see that his days are prolonged. It's a way of saying he's going to have a really long life, even though he's been killed. So the, uh, the whole idea of the resurrection is, is in there. There's an incredible, incredible truth. And I don't want to try and convince you it's true. I'm just going to pray that God himself will reveal to you the truth and the beauty and the incredible picture that Isaiah is portraying. And then after that, we're going to take communion together. There's gluten-free on this side. It's the important, important bit. Um, and Rob's going to come back and we're going to have to spend some time just singing and celebrating what he's done, praising him for, for that incredible sacrifice that he made.
Father, would you reveal yourself to us now? Just as Philip prayed, explain to the eunuch everything that you've done. God, and you, you came and you revealed to him even greater truths. Spirit, come, reveal your love for us. Reveal the truth of these words. Sink down deep into our hearts the incredible sacrifice that you made.